You are listening to a podcast from C3 Church Wallandilly. For more episodes and information, please visit our website at c3wc.com forward slash Wallandilly or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash C3 Wallandilly. Well, here we are. What a great honour and a privilege to stand before you and, and preach the Word of God that I love. I love the Word of God. As Rachel mentioned, our pastors are away and it's kind of like being given the keys to the car and your pee plates for the first time and you go off and you hope the insurance is up to date. And look, man, I want to honour our pastors. They're not here, but I know that they'll listen to this and I honour them right now. I thank them for their leadership, for their loving on us and leading us into a place where we can step into the gifts that God's given us, into the place that God is taking us in our discipleship journey. Over the last week, I've been praying about this moment and there's one word that I can't get off my heart and it's precipice. And I was looking up the the word precipice and it, it means a cliff or an overhanging cliff. And what I really feel in my spirit is that God is telling us that we stand as a church both here in C3 Picton, but worldwide, we stand on the edge of the precipice and God is asking us to take a step into deep discipleship, deep discipleship where we will um, we'll be that, those people that are iron sharpening iron, that we will be all in, all in. When Jesus called the disciples, they left everything that they had and they followed him. And I, I believe with all of my heart that Jesus is calling us to the, a deep discipleship, to be all in to the cause of Christ. So... Right now, let's just pray. Father, I ask that your spirit would come and be in this place. I thank you that as we worship, that you inhabit the praises of your people. I thank you for your Holy Spirit that leads us into all truth. Father, I pray that you would speak through me. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, there was a time a few weeks ago where people in our church were praying for me and my family. And you guys weren't praying for health or prosperity or some financial situation or some deep dark sin that I'd been caught up in. You guys were praying for my, my physical health, my physical safety. See, I work as a police officer and in my work, I work in a unit where my job is to go out and find crime. See, there's, there's reactive crime where the police get called and they say, hey, can you come to my house? There's, this thing's happened. And that's what the general duties guys do. But my job is to go out every day and find people that are committing crime. And I work in a small town. And as you guys know, in a small town, you kind of get to see the same people over and over again. And I tend to um, lock up the same people over and over again. And these there's this one person that I, I kept locking up and um, basically to cut a long story short, uh, a person had called the police station and threatened me, threatened my safety and my family's safety. And the, the church here rallied around me and they prayed for our safety. And hey, we're safe, so happy. And God is, is to be praised for that. The title of my message today is Guard Your Heart. 
we can turn our Bibles to the book of 1 Samuel, we're going to start in chapter 16 and we're going to just do a brief overview of the rest of the book of 1 Samuel. And I'm just going to recap. So the first king of Israel was a man named Saul. Saul had many victories. He loved God for most of his reign and God blessed him. He blessed the people of Israel under his rule until he was commanded by God to defeat a people called the Amalekites. Now, the Amalekites were a people that attacked Israel as they were coming out of Egypt, and they did some great atrocities to the people of Israel. Saul was commanded to completely destroy every single trace of the Amalekites upon the earth as, a, as an article of judgment against them from God. Now, Saul only carried out half of his mission. So he went and he, and he killed most of the Amalekites, but he kept the king alive. And he went and he took the sheep and the gold and all of the great things that this king had, and he kept them for himself, where he was commanded to destroy them. He also let a, a whole um, nation of slaves go free as well, which he was told to destroy. So instead of trusting in the provision of God, which God had been giving Saul for the whole of his reign, he started to take it upon himself to provide for himself. And he went and he created an, uh, a massive statue for the people to worship. And he started to take glory for himself for the victories that God had given him. And from that moment onwards, God turned his back against Saul and took his spirit away from him. God spoke to the prophet Samuel who had initially anointed Saul king and he told him he was to anoint to a new king. Samuel was sent to the house of a man named Jesse and he asked Jesse to bring all of his sons before Saul, so, uh, Samuel so Samuel could anoint the new king. All of the sons were paraded in front of Samuel. God saw all of the sons of Jesse but he didn't choose any of them until... Samuel said, is this all of your sons? And Jesse says, no, there's the youngest. He's out in the field. And Samuel says, go and get him. And so they go and get David, who's out tending the sheep. 1 Samuel 16, 13 says, Samuel anointed David king with oil in the presence of his brothers. And from that day onward, the spirit of the Lord came upon David with power. So at the moment that the Spirit of the Lord came upon David, it left Saul. Today, I want to talk to you guys about boundaries. We're continuing our series on boundaries. But specifically, I want to talk to you about how we relate to people who have hurt us. How do we forgive? How do we love and still protect ourselves from people who will continually take advantage of us, who will continually hurt us. It's a pretty deep topic. And when Rowan told me I would be speaking on this, I was like, wow, that's, that's really, really deep. But it's something we need to know. Something we need to know. Because God teaches us that we are to guard our hearts. We are to guard our hearts because out of our hearts flow the issues of life. The Bible tells us that the, uh, the heart is a wellspring of life. And when there is bitterness and that anger and unforgiveness in our heart, it overflows into all of our life. God is calling us to guard our hearts. I don't know how many people I've met and know that have left the church 
because of an offence, because of another person, because of an issue in their heart that may have been avoided had they been taught how to guard their heart. We're first called when someone hurts us to reconciliation. Colossians 3.13 says, Bear with one another in love. Forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. Hebrews 12.14 says, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So the first thing we're called to when there's an offence is to reconcile. Do everything you can to reconcile. Disciples, we're all called to be disciples. We're also called to make disciples. Luke 17.3 says, Watch yourself. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Guys, disciples, as we walk together, we're called to rebuke each other. We are. We, we're to do it in love. And Pastor Rowan has been teaching us that we can say something. What we say is what we say. What people hear is what they hear. But how they feel about what we say is what they'll take away. When we rebuke each other, we need to rebuke each other in love. And oftentimes I think of my, to myself, as I say this, how would I like to hear this? How would I like to hear this? Re disciples rebuke disciples and they forgive them in love. When we are hurt sometimes, we just have to end the friendship. Sometimes it comes to that point. Proverbs 4, 23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, from, for everything flows from it. But 20, verse 19 says, Watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. If, sorry, I'm reading my, the same scriptures. So. Proverbs 22, 24, 25. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with them. Or you may learn their ways and you will get yourself ensnared. Don't be friends with a hot-tempered person. That doesn't mean don't try to be friends with them, but if they don't repent, then you have to end that relationship. 1 Corinthians 5, 11 and 12, but now I am writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister. So Paul is writing to Christians in this moment. but is sexually immoral, or greedy, or an idolater, or slanderer, a drunkard, or a swindler. Do not even eat with such people. Now, Paul has only just finished talking about reconciliation. So firstly, we're called to reconciliation. Then we're called to rebuke. And then if it needs to come to it, to end that French list. So that we don't get influenced by that because sometimes we're not strong enough to stand against. So to continue my story, I had that person make threats against me. 
And in our light of work, we, we take that really seriously. There were measures put in place to protect us by my work. And obviously, all of, it, all of you guys were praying. And if you weren't, then that's cool too. And some may say, yeah, but you're supposed to turn the other cheek. You're supposed to turn the other cheek. And I, I say, yes, that's true. We're called to, to not retaliate against people. But we are also called to protect ourselves and to take measures to ensure that we are safe. We can control how we respond. So let's continue with the story of Saul and David. So Saul's attendants say to Saul, an evil spirit is tormenting you. Let our Lord command his servants to search for someone who will play the liar. He will play when the evil spirit from God comes on you and you will feel better. So they go out and they find David and they bring him into the house of Saul and they get him to play every time the spirit comes upon Saul. And it's said that um, David was a brave man, a warrior. He speaks well and he's a fine looking man. He plays the, the liar and the Lord is with him. And so the Spirit of God would come with David and the Spirit of God, you know, who knows that the Bible tells us that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And here is a spot where we can actually see that freedom that the Spirit brings. When David plays, the Spirit cannot remain because the Spirit of the Lord is there. David, sorry, Saul is using David though. Saul doesn't really even pay much mind to David. He's using him for what he can get. And in that, David responds with grace and compassion. When we find ourselves in relationships with people who are just using us, we, we can respond with grace and compassion. To go on a bit further, there's a time where a little while later, Saul goes out and, and starts a battle with the Philistines. And there's this man named Goliath, and I think we all know the story of David and Goliath. So Goliath's this big champion of the Philistines, and he's calling out for a champion of Israel to come out and fight. And all of Israel are trembling in fear at Goliath, even Saul is trembling in fear. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you're not able to go against this Philistine and fight him. You're just a young man. He's been a warrior since his youth. David said, your servant's been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came to carry off a sheep, I went after it. I struck it. I rescued the sheep. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair. I struck it, killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hands of the Philistines. So in the midst of Saul's fear, David responds with faith. in the midst of relationships that seem to be full of fear and turmoil, we can 
respond in faith. To go a little bit further, Saul had a daughter named Merab, and Saul wanted to offer this daughter to David as a, as a prize, but it was really a trap. It was really a trap to try and get him into a position where Saul could kill him. Saul says to David, here's my older daughter, Merab. I will give her to you in marriage. You serve me bravely and fight my battles. Does this sound like flattery to you? When someone actually hates you and they say good things to you, it's usually flattery. And they're doing it for their own end. They're not doing it for your good. But as Saul flatters David and and tries to set him up into a place where he can kill him, David responds with humility. David says to Saul, who am I and what is my family or clan in Israel that I should become a king's son-in-law? So when the time came for Merab, Saul's daughter, to be given to David, she was given to another. And again, Saul sets another trap with his other daughter, but this daughter falls in love with David. Saul says, the only thing I want for my, my daughter as her bride price is, two, is 100 foreskins of the Philistines. Sounds like a pretty steep price to pay because there's only one way to go out and get a foreskin. You've got to kill, right? And so there's 100 Philistines that David has to go and kill. And we know the story. David goes out and he kills 200 Philistines. So where Saul tried to trap David again, David responds with honour and he gives a double gift to Saul. So for the, for the time from here on in, Saul is actively pursuing to kill David. And we can learn some do's and don'ts from how David responds and how Saul pursues. So the first thing that David does after Saul begins to pursue him, he goes to see the prophet Samuel. And he seeks guidance. When we're wronged by someone in a relationship, we need to go and seek godly counsel. We need to go and and see our pastors. We need to get them to pray with us. Get them to give us godly advice, godly wisdom, and let them show us from the word what it is that can be done in a situation that seems hopeless. At this point in time, David's mighty men the whole time are saying, just kill Saul. Just kill him. We'll help you kill him. And you'll see a number of times that David had an opportunity to do so. But David goes to Samuel. And he seeks godly counsel. The next thing that David does, he seeks a friend. David forms a relationship with Jonathan, the son of Saul. And he goes to um, Jonathan and he weeps. And he shares his heart and he says so many times to Jonathan, what have I done? What have I done to contribute to this situation between your father and mine? And Jonathan is such a great friend. He goes and he mediates on behalf of David. He says to his dad, what 
has David done? Help me understand so that I can go back to him and, and tell him so I can make amends between the two of you. We need to go and find a good friend. And a good friend is one who will keep confidence. So when you speak to that friend, they will not only lead you to the word, they'll pray with you. They also won't go and tell other people what you guys are talking about because that's really important. We need to be that kind of friend as well. So we we go and find a friend like that, but we need to be that friend. The next thing that we see David do is, is a real shame. He goes and sees Ahimelech the priest. And Ahimelech knows what's happening between Saul and David. He knows the turmoil in this relationship. He knows that Saul has tried to kill David a number of times by now. And David goes to see him and Ahimelech goes, Oh, why have you come to me? Isn't, isn't he trying to kill you? And David goes, No, 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 no. He's not. It's all good. He sent me here to speak to you. When we go to that friend, when we go to our pastor, don't lie. Don't lie. Don't tell half the story. Don't tell only what they're doing to you. You need to lay it all out. This is the situation. This is what's happened. This is how I've sinned. This is how they're sinning against me. Don't lie. On the other side of David's lie, 80 men of God were all slaughtered by Saul. Our lies have great consequence. And if all else fails, we see what David did. He ran away. He ran away. He couldn't reconcile this relationship and he had to flee from it. He flees and he ends up hiding in a cave. And Saul, in his pursuit of David, he, he finds himself needing to urinate, goes into the cave and does his business. And, and, and David creeps up behind him and he cuts off the, um, a little bit of his robe. And then after this, outside the cave, they, David confronts Saul and he says, See, I could have killed you. I could have killed you. And they go on and there's a discourse and there's a few, few times where David and Saul come together and David says, what have I done? What have I done? And it's interesting to see that Saul could not reply because there was no sense in, in the argument because Saul was clearly only really afraid of losing the kingdom. And I think what's really interesting about all of this is the fact that David was anointed king already. When all of this was happening, David had already been anointed king. And oftentimes we can think, oh man, I'm already anointed. I should just go and take it. But God waited. David waited for God's timing. During this time, David pens some of the most amazing psalms. And if you have an opportunity and you want to study something, study what David wrote during this time. It's incredible. I'll read you one of those psalms. And this was written 
when David was in that cave hiding from Saul, he says, I cry out to God most high, to God who vindicates me. He sends me from heaven. He sends from heaven and saves me, rebuking those who hotly pursue me. God sends forth his love and faithfulness. As I was studying this, I got uh, right into it and I, I, I was looking up um, what a fortress looked like. And there was, back in those times, the city would be down on the plain at, with good access to water and the fields and the peasants had access to the city. And usually they would have a fortress that was set up in the hills where they would flee and they would retreat to the fortress where they could wait and they could see the enemy that was coming. They would be up high, they would have a good, strong military advantage over the, the enemy that was coming. And the, the word likens God to our fortress, a place where we can wait, a place where we can see the enemy coming and we can wait for God to vindicate us. In the end of this story, David goes out to fight the Amalekites and Saul goes out to fight the Philistines. And I found it fascinating to see Saul is, is out fighting the Philistines, overcome, finally overcome, fighting his own battles in his own strength, finally overcome by the enemy that God had already given him the victory over. He, he's there, he's ready to die. He falls on his sword and commits suicide. And at that same moment, David completely destroys the Amalekites. The job that Saul was given in the first place. Incredible. And there starts the reign of King David. Where to guard our hearts, where to reconcile, where to rebuke each other in love. And in, if all else fails, where to move on. Where to move on. David moved on. He went out, he found new battles, knowing full well that God was with him. Some of us have relationships that have failed. Some of us have like family relationships that are, have failed, that there's turmoil in. Some of us have those other relationships that are in the midst of failure. Some of us have just had too many to, to even count. And what I want to tell you is that God is the God of restored relationships. He's the God of reconciliation. And so in a moment, we're going to pray about our relationships. But before we pray about that, I want you guys to know that there's one relationship that has been broken since the beginning of time when God created the heavens and the earth. He created male and female. He put them in a garden and he gave them rule over all of the earth. He set them before a tree and said, do not partake of that because if you do, you will know good and evil. You'll be affected by that. And that is the fundamental relationship that has been broken. Man sinned against God. And since then, we have been at odds. Since then, we have been 
objects of God's wrath. And God sent His Son for you to die in your place, to reconcile that relationship. So right now, I want to give you an opportunity to come into right relationship with Jesus, right relationship with God, the Creator. So what I want to do is get you guys to close your eyes. And if you're out of right relationship with God, I'm going to get you to raise your hand in a minute. But we all need reconciliation. So what we're also going to pray for is reconciliation in our relationships. Be it with members of God's family or your, your earthly family. We're going to bring those things before God and we're going to ask for forgiveness for our unforgiveness. And we're going to forgive those who have sinned against us. So what I want to do right now, I'll just get all of us to stand. And with our eyes closed, we're going to pray a prayer. So just repeat after me, Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are our reconciliation. That while we were distant from God, you died to pay the price to reconcile us in good relationship with Him. Just as you have forgiven us, help us forgive others. We ask by the power of your Spirit for reconciliation with those who have hurt us. We forgive them. Amen. Thanks for listening today. For more episodes and information, please visit our website at c3wc.com forward slash Wallandilly or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash C3 Wallandilly.